Hello, Blake fans. Welcome to episode four, I believe, Sean. Episode four. Lucky number four. Here we go. Here we are on Blake Bear's Banter, a podcast hosted by Sean Reed. That's me. Thank you for uh, listening in and tuning in. It's a lot of fun to do this and to add more elements and more levels to Blake Athletics. And I'm Athletic Director Nick Rathman, and uh, we're here the week of February 15th. And for those uh, keeping track at home, it's cold out. It is. It's freezing. Just miserable. And it, it, the office is cranked up to 80 in here, and I'm still shivering. Uh, what is fun, though, is getting in the warm gyms and even, um, in comparison, the warm ice arenas. Uh, and then uh, some of the other sports we have are not so warm outside with, say, uh, Nordic and Alpine. What's going on in uh, Alpine ski, Sean? Well, what's exciting is that uh, the high school league did come out a couple weeks ago. We did mention it that there's going to be state tournaments. The uh, Alpine State Tournament is going to be at Giants Ridge at the uh, in March, and then the um, State Tournament for Nordic Skiing is also going to be up at Giants Ridge. So both Alpine, uh, the Alpine team and the Nordic teams are preparing for section play, conference play, and then section play. There's going to be a meet this Wednesday at Buck Hill for the Alpine team, and then next week will be the Nordic Ski Conference Championships, and then we'll go into sections. And sections for Alpine will be at Afton Alps. So they just scheduled a training session for next Friday, so they'll get to train at Afton Alps at once, and then they'll have the uh, section meet on March 1st, which is also the same day as the Nordic Skiing section meet, which will be at Theodore Worth. Now, there will be no fans at Afton Alps, and um, they're – Probably won't be many fans, if at all, at Theodore Worth. We're still waiting final word for that. Which is a bummer because one of the fun things, if you can, if for some of you out there that have been to say a marathon before or a, a race, you, you get the cowbells going. People are cheering for not only their own teams but just every skier uh, coming across in both Nordic and Alpine. It's a very community-based thing even though it's individual skiing it's a lot of fun with the fans and we're just not going to have that this year but so glad they're able to race and uh, we'll get that going on the hockey front uh boys hockey is four and four uh one step forward one step back might be the best way this past week they uh they they had a game at holy angels and won five to two and then on saturday hosted gentry academy who's number two in single a and uh, the bears lost six to one this week, we go to St. Thomas Academy, one of the highest-ranked AA teams, uh, and a rematch from last year's third-place game. You remember that one well, Sean? That was an excellent game. That was a, a, per- a perfect example of character because both St. Thomas Academy and the Bears lost heartbreaking games on Friday night in the semifinals on TV in front of 19,000 people. And the next day, they had to come back for a third-place game. And uh, the Bears showed up really well, and they ended up winning 4-0 in the, in the send-off game for the class of 2020. And that was a, a really special experience right before the pandemic hit. So this will be an interesting test for the Bears. As you said, one step forward, one step back. Uh, they, they got uh, beat pretty soundly against Gentry. Gentry's a really good team. So how do you respond? And yep. I think that's going to be a, a real nice test for the boys on Tuesday night. And then the boys' hockey team travels to Breck. We actually have a triple header we go boys JV, then girls varsity, then boys varsity over at Breck on Saturday. Uh, always in the rivalry games that we have with Breck, and no matter the sport, uh, I used to tell people that if you put a chess game at the 50-yard line, we'd probably sell it on the stadium if it was Blake versus Breck. It's just a fun, competitive, the kids all know each other. 
they, they, they take pictures after the game, but they are into each other, and it's pretty physical during the game. Every single game, every single sport between Blake and Breck is close, and it doesn't matter what the records are. And so Saturday is going to have three excellent games with the, the JV and the two varsity squads. Yeah, and so like I said, Saturday uh, we'll also have the girls' hockey game. So the girls this week will host Minnehaha United, a newly formed co-op of Minnehaha and St. Paul Academy. We'll host that on Tuesday night, and interestingly enough, they are doing senior night. Now, a number of teams this year have decided, let's do senior night a game or two early in case we have a home game canceled because of COVID restrictions with our team or the other team, or for some reason we can't play a game. Football did it that way. Soccer did it a little early as well. We're seeing that common as we go here. Yeah, the soccer, the girls' soccer team actually had their senior night before the very first game of the year. <laughs> you know, there wasn't much hope that we were going to uh, have a full season. We ended up having the full season, and so we did another honoring of the seniors at the end of the year. So the girls' soccer players got to be honored twice, once at a park before the first game of the year, then at the end of the season before traditionally before a game and so the uh, the girls hockey team will have their senior night tomorrow night which would be fantastic and playing mini haha united which i know i know they're very enthusiastic to come over here and they'll give their best effort and, against the bears and senior nights are just fun especially now where we can have very limited fans but we'll really have parents there and it's a great time to kind of think back about your time at blake and what it's all been so girls hockey three four and one with a big week at mini ha with mini haha and at breck on saturday sean give us an update on boys swim and dive Boys swim and dive. There's actually going to be an inner squad uh, match uh, or meet, excuse me, uh, tomorrow at Breck for the varsity team and the junior varsity team. They haven't had a meet since uh, last month when they ha- when they hosted Chaska Chanhassen, and their next meet coming up won't be until the end of this month. So they're going to have almost four weeks. In between meets. So they're doing this fun inner squad meet tomorrow. Uh, that'll be fun to uh, have the, the swimmers be able to compete against each other in a, in a great format. And then uh, we'll have three meets pretty close to each other, starting with uh, Edine at the end of the month. And for those who don't know, uh, swimming is typically a giant invitational schedule. So what I mean by that is on a, on a Saturday in January, they'll, they'll go to the University of Minnesota and swim against 15 other teams. And this year, only dual meets are allowed. So it took all those invitationals that are on a full schedule and kind of removed them from the schedule, thus creating gaps. And coaches are being really creative, thus the inner squad uh, uh, meet as well. Uh, girls basketball, four and four, um, lost their last three and won two prior to that. And, and looking like they might go on a pretty good run and bounce back here Uh they have a few days off, but we play Friday at Trinity and Saturday at Simley before hosting a couple home games. And uh, we're, we're under a month here left to finish the season out. We're at the halfway point of the schedule, but it'll it'll come fast here uh, towards the end as we're allowed to play three games in a week and kind of pick those extra games up. Uh, dynamic duel of seniors, Rachel Winkie, Kate Moe, continue to play really, really well. And you can see the young players coming along as well. I've been able to catch a, a bunch of their games at home, and then you get to watch uh, a lot of their games at NFHS or Facebook Live if they're on the road or whatever the other school is broadcasting. And that's something that's been really great about this pandemic is schools are making a conscious effort to allow fans to watch the games no matter where they are. And so we've been able to watch a lot of uh, girls' basketball this year, and uh, Kate Mo is really – she's dynamic. 
she was coming off a Miss Soccer finalist season in the fall and then carrying that over into this year. I can see her leadership on the court. We have a seventh grader in Charlie Bowles who is really stepping up and making some nice plays. We've included her in the highlights on Fridays uh, uh, several times already. So lots of girls are really stepping up. Ella Dagnan's uh, had a couple of great games recently as well. So uh, they're fun to watch. They have had a couple of setbacks, but they should have a successful week this week. And because of all the webcasting, Sean, I think it's worth mentioning, you've been putting together almost a Sports Center weekly uh, update at Sports at Blake. Twitter sends it out, and uh, you do a great job of just highlighting some some plays from the week, and people get to see it on video now that we have so much video to work with. Yeah, it's fun to do. It's it's out, outside my comfort zone, and... You know, it takes you know for they're like four and a half minute videos and they take uh, several hours to create <laughs> but it's it's well worth it I enjoy doing it. this um, upcoming podcast here we'll hear from Olivia Sackor you know, who's a ninth grader a wrestler for Fridley Blake Co-op she's uh, a ninth grader at Blake and um, a lot of people wouldn't have known that we have a wrestler in our midst if it wasn't for the Blake Bear Banter podcast and for the Bear Highlights. Yeah, so we'll have her on today as a guest, and then um, we'll update kind of the, the wrestling uh, new form co-op where we have a wrestler going with Fridley. That's, it's a neat uh, adventure for us and gone really well so far. And then, uh, Sean, would you talk about fencing? Fencing, they are going to have uh, an inner squad tournament this weekend. February twentieth uh, and twenty first. So they have not been able to have any meets because of the pandemic, and this is the weekend where they typically have the state tournaments. That's usually hosted by three different schools, and but they're we're not doing that this year. So they've gotten together this the the fencing team here, and they're going to have a two day meet starting on Saturday. And not a lot of schools have fencing. Correct. We have fencing. It's one of our bigger programs. And we have a great coach, coaching staff, uh, alumni on staff as well, and a lot of athletes, which is so great. And uh, talking to Coach Buck, our head coach, Harold Buck, he was telling me about how during this pandemic he's done a lot of Zoom lessons and some other things virtually, and it's gone well, that he's going to probably keep some of those elements moving forward even beyond whenever this pandemic ends uh, sooner than later. But talk about how he's going to keep some things going on. I think we're going to see that from sport to sport as well. Right. So they, they started their year with only Zoom lessons. Then they went to the Center for Blade Arts in Minneapolis for a couple of in-person sessions. And so they totally adjusted how they're training this year. So you talk about being nimble. The fencing team is probably the model of nimbleness. Absolutely, and it's that's what we've had to do this year to make it work, to give kids a good experience, right, and to try to grow and develop them. And then lastly, the last sport to talk about here in the winter sports is who we're going to have on next, Coach b of the boys' basketball program. Uh, you were talking about your highlights. I don't know if a team has had more highlights this year than our boys' basketball team. Probably not, and because of how they play. I mean, we'll hear more from Coach b but they are so fun to watch. Uh, they don't care who scores. And we were broadcasting the uh, – the JV hockey or the varsity hockey game over NFHS at Holy Angels on Thursday night. And I brought it up on Twitter. Okay, let's get a, an update from the boys' basketball team. Oh, at half, they're up 50 to 35, and four players at half had double digits in points. It's unheard of. Well, um, unselfish wins, and they have it going on. They're 9 0. We'll talk to Coach B1 and uh, hear more about their season. Excited to have them, exciting guest to have, and we'll, we'll bring him in here next. 
And we're joined by our guest this week. Excited to have him here. Head coach Tyler Bewan joins Sean and I on the Blake Bears banter. Tyler, how are we doing? Doing well. Appreciate you guys having me. Staying warm out there? Trying to. We've got 30s in the forecast at the end of the week. It's going to feel tropical. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to go on my 10-mile run at the end of the week. Sean, when was the last time you ran 10 miles? Never. Never. <laughs> I would Never. think so. So we've got a couple questions for you, Tyler, just uh, obviously having coaches in and talking about how their seasons are gone and their experiences at Blake. So maybe a great place to start is just talk us, walk us through your coaching career a little bit. How would you get started in coaching, and what's your journey to Blake? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is my fifth season here at Blake, hard to believe. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Um, prior to, I uh, had a few other coaching stints at St. Thomas Academy and Mount West Tonka as well. Uh, prior to those two head coaching stints, I uh, was right back here. Uh, so I started my high school coaching career at Blake. Uh, so I was the JV head and varsity assistant during the state tournament run back in 2013. Uh, so that's when I got into the high school game. Prior to that, uh, coached Minnesota Heat AAU, uh, thanks to Willie Vane. He brought me into that, so coached that for about six seasons, uh, overlapping a little bit with high school ball there. So started that in 2010 through about 2015, 2016. Uh, and then prior to starting AAU, I uh, really started getting around basketball more in my undergrad days at the U. So I was a student manager uh, for four years uh, as part of that with uh, – Minnesota men's uh, basketball team. For the Gophers. Yep. Absolutely. Um, now, you've coached here as head coach for five years, but no year was ever like last year. Yes. And in particular, no week was ever like last year, the last week of the season. That's correct. Walk us through the uh, the roller coaster that week was. Yeah, crazy week. Uh, so the Saturday we beat Watertown Mayor in the quarterfinal game. Uh, tough three versus six, you know, just kind of duked it out to the end. Just happy to get out of there and get away with the W. Uh, banquet the next day, nice little pep rally for the section semis going to the Rockford game, uh, which that would have been then Wednesday. Uh, so Wednesday, March 11th, which just listen to the March 11th 30 for 30 podcast if you guys haven't listened to that yet. No, ESPN, no. oh, it's good. Uh, walked through that entire day, and uh, it's it's so incredibly hard to believe that that was less than a year ago. It feels like a decade ago right now. I mean, that was the day yeah. that I I feel like the the pandemic was here and real. Yep, especially from a sports standpoint. Correct. Uh, that's when Rudy Gobert, the Jazz, tested positive and the whole NBA just shut down and everything started going frantic. So, uh, But that was the day, yeah, we beat Rockford in the three-versus-two matchup. Uh, felt a little bit like David versus Goliath going in, literally. Uh, they had a seven-footer, uh, six-six. Uh, I mean, one through five, they had a height advantage and strength advantage on us. So... Uh, we went into that game knowing we'd have to fight really hard uh, to, to stick around. Uh, but we used our lack of size and our speed advantage on them. Uh, so we said, all right, if, if we're not going to outsize them, we're going to outrun them. Uh, got up 20-7 to 7 in that game. Uh, started feeling really good about it and just you know defended our way through a, a nice little win there. Uh, felt, felt great getting that one. And then actually remember you and I walking off the floor I mean, you're in a game like that, like you're so honed in and focused in. And then all of a sudden, uh, walking in the locker room, you're like, Rudy Gobert just tested positive. Uh, Tom Hanks has it. And I'm like, <laughs> still don't even know what this coronavirus thing is. Like, what right. are you talking about? Right. Uh, never in that moment would I have thought two days later, 
Uh, so I guess the day after, we knew we were playing Minneapolis North in the section finals for that Friday. Uh, so practice felt relatively normal. I mean, COVID was still, you know, hey, it just canceled the NBA. Like, you know, we don't know what's going on, but we're going to be fine. Like, we're going to play this game tomorrow. We're good. Uh, so I had a really good practice, and we, we were feeling really good going into that Minneapolis North game. Again, I think it's one of those where outside of our locker room, very few people probably thought we had a shot, but uh, that momentum that we had from the Rockford win and then going into playing a tough Minneapolis North team, we were feeling good about ourselves. So uh, that Friday, the game was supposed to be played at St. Cloud State. Uh, I know you had your hands full that day, rescheduling it to Minnehaha uh, with limited attendance. So we had like our attendance list, just tracking tickets. Like I didn't work that, I didn't work that week, but uh, especially that day. Uh, just crazy trying to get that switched over to Minnehaha. And then it was around, I don't know, around lunchtime, uh, you called me. It's just, hey, it's over. We're done. And it's, it's not like, a, well, it's postponed indefinitely. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. play. No, like your season is literally done. Like right. You just made it to the section finals and, and just the rug pulled out under you. So uh, that was a first and hopefully a last. Right. Um, and I think, you know, in the moment immediately, uh, texted our guys, you know, they're at the upper school, so hey, I'm driving over there, let's meet. Uh, just just knew that we needed to get together as a team uh, just to, to grieve, right? Like you, you, what we talked about is uh, I kept referring to closure, right? Anytime something happens like that, you need closure. Uh, and every single team at the end of the season has closure. You either win a championship or the other 99 out of 100 teams, they lose, but they have that closure. Uh, they, they have that moment to, to reflect back, uh, and we were sort of robbed of that. So uh, had to get our guys together in a very, very emotional room. Uh, you know, I rarely get emotional. It's tough for me to fight back, just particularly for our seniors. Mm-hmm. Right? Like We had such good seniors last season, just incredibly invested from day one uh, in what we were trying to do as a program. So for them to not have their – final game right they don't have that opportunity to go through a, a game knowing it might be their final one and say hey instead of that your your final game is actually two days ago right and yeah. end a career uh that that was really tough for those guys so yeah roller coaster of a week uh i didn't really you know shed that bad taste out of my mouth for months honestly right. like it's because you go from that to well we're locked in our house now for <laughs> months right like yeah. so it, it was really really tough uh, to for our guys to go through that, so and, glad it's over. And you hit on it without saying it, but the team last year has incredible character, mm-hmm. right? And watching that semifinal game, you know, they the, the opponents had this huge crowd, mm-hmm. and it didn't deter your your team at all. You're led by incredible seniors that have been there for a long time, and. You had the the great victory, and then you also had this junior class, mm-hmm. and the junior class now has has continued on with that character. I'd love to hear more about the, the now senior class. You know, three mm-hmm. of them started as ninth graders, and here they are, nine and zero as seniors, picking up where they left off last year. Talk yeah. about Jasper Lou, Gabe Gans, and Robert Grace. You can throw in Elijah Short, and now, yeah. and now Will Fazio. Just incredible class of twenty twenty one. No, you're right. I mean, those two have been huge for us too, and definitely talk about them. But yeah, Rob, Rob, Gabe, and Jasper are definitely, I would say, the face of our program. Anyone who knows why Blake is successful, they first attribute it to those three, uh, which rightfully so. But there's many pieces alongside them that have uh, been making this happen. But uh, especially for them, they they bought into a vision that honestly would be. 
tough to buy into as a 13-year-old coming into a program that's, you know, 5-22 and 22 and said, hey, we're, we're going to build this thing into a state championship contender, right? Well, yeah, okay, sounds, sounds good, right? Like, it's, it's tough to buy into that, but uh, they did. They, they believed in it. Uh, and, and starting from the ground up, you know, we won 10 games with them the first year, uh, 11, 13, and then 22 last year. Uh, they really have been the ones that have developed that vision alongside us coaches and said, yeah, we can get that thing done. We can we can be a team that, you know, strives to, to compete for section titles. So, uh, I mean, individually, the nice thing is each of those three kind of give us something different and unique. You know, Gabe has definitely been a, a vocal leader. He's a guy who in-game, pre-game, post-game, uh, he'll be the first one to, to step up and talk, right? Uh, Rob is just kind of that workhorse guy who leads by example. Uh, he, he's just developed his game so much over the years, and that leadership by example has been huge. Uh, and then Jasper Lou, you know, and he was new to Blake as a ninth grader. So you take that into consideration because that's a huge assimilation process for anyone coming in new. Uh, what I love about him, he holds himself to incredibly high standards. Uh, any game where he doesn't play his best, uh, you're you're going to see it, right? He, he wears his emotions on his sleeve uh, in a good way. He holds himself to really high standards, and that in turn, again, that leadership by example drives all of our guys to strive for more. So those three have been huge. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, Will Fazio, uh, he's been coming off the bench for us. Might have the best shooting form on the team, honestly, which you don't really say generally about your seventh, eighth man. Great outside shooter. Uh, lefty, uh, can really stroke it. And he's been a guy who a couple games he's been in double digits. And I think all the games where he has done that, it's been like all in the first half, just like boom, 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 right? Like three quick threes, he can light it up like that. Uh, it's been big for us. And Elijah Short, uh, I don't want to, I think he's our shortest on the team, no pun intended. I think he is. Uh, he's got two blockbuster blocks already this season. <laughs> sir. Uh, just defensively, I mean, it's, you know, I'll, I'll in-game find opportunities to tell him, hey, I need you to lock down this guy, right? Or I need you to drive this guy out. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, put me in. Uh, that kind of guy. And, like, as an eighth man, like, that's what you need on a team that's going to make it like this. So, And your core three seniors, they're basketball guys through and through. Yeah. But your other two are really good multiple sport athletes. Fazio is an excellent baseball player, and uh, Short is going to go play at St. Olaf, play some cornerback, and he's a steal for St. Olaf. Absolutely. He's a he's a Division One cornerback, going to go play yeah. Division Three, and probably be an impact player as a freshman. So you're getting great athletes exactly. that know how to win and know how to play, and they've kind of come together. Who else is standing up for you this year? Yeah, I think you kind of have the the core three in that starting group, and then we have. Two other double-digit scores, as if, if three isn't enough. Uh, you've got Theo Liu uh, and then freshman Grayson Okoronkwo. Uh, both of those guys have been huge for us this season, too. I mean, anytime you have five double—I mean, a good high school basketball team has three double-digit scores, right? A really good team has four. Five is pretty close to unheard of. Uh, the nice thing about that is any given night, any of those five guys is going to put up 25-plus. And then one of them might put up five or six points, right? I mean, Maranatha, we put up 89, looked at the box score at the end. We had Theo with six and Gabe with five, <laughs> right? If you show me those two pregame, I think maybe we score 60, right? But part of having Theo and Grayson uh, just adds to that firepower that we have offensively. Uh, and then Max Hubler has been huge for us off the bench. Really impressed by his, uh, his growth. I mean, the thing is, like, he sprints the floor 
at all times, right? Like, and the nice thing is coming off the bench, he's usually pretty well rested. He starts sprinting. That center that he's going up against has been in there for a few minutes. He's not going to keep up with him. Uh, so he's been finding a lot of, especially Rob Grace and uh, Gabe assists just by sprinting the floor uh, and then rebounds as well. I mean, his mindset every night is he wants a double-double, right? And he's going to mm-hmm. earn it the right way. He's just going to be tough as nails down in the post, uh, find those dump-offs, put them in, and then rebound, rebound the ball. Well, that might come in handy tomorrow night. You have kind of a big game tomorrow night, playing Minnehaha Academy. Uh, talk about that. What's going to be a key? How are you going to approach playing against Minnehaha and the number one recruit in the nation in Chet Holmgren? Yeah, I was joking with my, with my wife earlier today. I don't know how many coaches in the country can uh, go home after practice tonight and scout the team that they're playing tomorrow on ESPNU. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, they have a nationally televised game tonight against Stewartville, which they put together last minute, which is actually pretty cool. It's, yeah, it's very I'm, cool. I mean, it's going to be an entertaining game to watch. Uh, Will to shatter uh, the Michigan commit going up against him. But, yeah, I mean, Minnehaha is always traditionally that top team well, in our conference, let alone in the state, uh, even regardless of class, I think they're definitely a fair argument on number one. Uh, Chet Holmgren, I mean, number one player in the country. Uh, there are very few things that you can do to limit his scoring ability. Uh, we have some things in our game plan we'll go through practice today that hopefully we can just slow him down uh, and force others around him to step up. Uh, but that's definitely where it starts, and they've got really good pieces around him. Just a very tough physical big team i mean they look like a collegiate team when you look at them coming into the gym but uh, our guys rise to that i think every year and we talked about this last week as a team uh the mindset has been different going into that mini haha game right it's um, I remember four years ago, as soon as we lost to them, two unnamed players ran up to Jalen Suggs postgame wanting a photo opportunity, right? Like <laughs> still kind of that fanboy mentality, and uh, that's evolved where you know, a year or two later it's, you know, okay, let's do our best just to hang with these guys and not get embarrassed. Uh, and then last week I just put out there, like, you know, what's our mindset going? And pretty much everyone unanimously right away said, we want to win. You know, we, we want to beat them. Uh, which, again, anyone outside our locker room, it's going to be tough to get them on board with that. Uh, but as long as our guys think it can happen, we'll see what happens. You just you know play with them for a half, start chipping away, uh, and, and crazier things have happened. But so, that's, that's the kind of culture you have right now going on. You can tell yeah. by just sitting in the top of the stands and watching it. The guys compete, they play defense, and they pass the ball. I've been here almost 19 years. This is maybe the best passing team yeah. that I've seen in 2011 and 12 and 13, where you were a part of for two of those, mm-hmm. were what I thought was the best. And this team is either right there or right with them. And they just don't care who scores. And they right. don't, they just make the right, like the basketball gods love you when you make the right play. And we've had some luck go our way and some other things too, but you kind of create your own luck when you have that culture going. Where, where do you kind of attribute that to? How, where does that come from? We just really preach unselfishness with our guys. And, like, Rob's an example of that. He could easily go find 20 points a night, right, if he wanted to, if that's what he was about. Uh, he just wants his team to be successful. So he's going to go find six, seven, eight assists a night. Uh, and that whole mindset has just been contagious with this team, uh, where it's you've kind of just seen it brush off on each other, where, yeah, if, if, if I score five or six, that's okay, if, it, if that's what it means to put up 90, right? And, again, back to the point of five double-digit scores – each one of them is going to have a night when they're 25 and then a night when they're five. And as long as they don't get wrapped up in that, 
we're going to be okay. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing culturally is just getting past that, which can be really tough to do. It really can be. Yeah. Uh, so I fully credit our guys with that. And we do some stuff in practice. A lot of our drills, uh, we'll play twos and threes plus one for an assist, right, where we'll give you an extra point by making that extra pass for an open look. So little things like that hopefully have kind of sparked some of it. But, yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, it's just our guys, they're unselfish. Well, they get the they get the proper messaging, right? Yep. And the messaging comes from the coaching staff and the way that you're approaching uh, every single practice and what you've done over the last you know four years with the, with this group of players. How do you think that as a coaching staff you have grown together over the last several years? Yeah, it's a good question. And you know, with our coaching staff, I've been blessed to have just continuity. Um, Tyler Middlestead has been here through my five years and even the years prior to. Uh, Menzie Henderson's been a great asset to this program for the last four years. Josh Harvey, Nate Hennessy, Jamal Bush. I mean, these are all multi-year guys who have been here for four years or longer. Uh, so having that continuity where as coaches, we not only speak the same terminology and the same verbiage, we just all have the same mindset that we can hand off to our guys as well. Uh, that's been absolutely critical. Um, I think if I had a new staff coming in year over year, uh, it would be really tough because you spend so many months just building that rapport and that, uh, you know, the textbook of terminology and everything. Uh, but we can just hit the ground running every season. Uh, so that's definitely been huge. And uh, this year has been challenging with safety and health protocols around the pandemic. How have you and your staff and the players worked through those challenges? How do you find time for team bonding given the restraints? How do you, how do you continue to build that culture while dealing with the pandemic? It's been tough. Uh, I definitely miss post-game, running into the locker room, celebrating. I mean, even St. Croix Prep, we get that top 10 one on the road, and we kind of went in the back hallway. <laughs> and it still just kind of felt awkward. It's like, well, this isn't really like a place to celebrate, you know? Uh, so definitely miss parts like that. Uh, and, yeah, by now we typically would add a couple dinners out together, a volunteer event, that sort of stuff, and it's just hard. You just can't, right? So uh, Saturday we're going to Top Golf as a team. Uh, Coach Hinton set that up, uh, so we're excited to do that. Uh, but outside of that, it's, it's been tough to think of COVID-friendly team bonding activities yeah, to do throughout the year. So. so what is your favorite part of coaching at Blake or being at Blake? Yeah, definitely the people. Um, and again, having a couple schools prior to this, uh, I think through my coaching career, what I've learned is it's all about fit. Uh, you need to be surrounded by the right people in order to um, be your authentic self, right? Not only just to be successful, but to be who you are and who you want to be as a coach. Uh, so I've been fortunate from you know administration, not to, not to work with the egos right here in the room, but uh, that's been a big part of it. Uh, and then coaching staff, having that continuity. Uh, and even just knowing, you know, some of the teachers and the grade deans in the school here, uh, you know, worked closely with Jim Arnold when I was here the first stint. Uh, really appreciate the deans like Mahoney and uh, Dion and those guys. So uh, really enjoy the people and the culture here at Blake. Uh, it's a very welcoming culture. Uh, I think that's a little different than maybe some other public and private schools that you might find. Uh, just, you know, welcoming of all types, whatever it might be the difference. Uh, from person A to person B, uh, probably the most welcoming culture I've seen in my time around high school sports. Awesome. That's great. 
Well, thank you very much for coming in. We're super excited for uh, the rest of the season, for playoffs, for all that you're doing with the team, and uh, obviously a big fun game tomorrow, but really just the rest of the year and keeping it going. It's been an attraction. I actually had uh, some alumni texting me asking me for tickets to some home games and trying to find a way to get them in because they're hearing such great stuff and they want to see a team play like this. So uh, thanks for all you're doing, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you, guys. Joining me today on uh, Blake Bear's Banter Podcast is Olivia Sackor, a new student at Blake this year in ninth grade, who is also a wrestler. And welcome to the podcast, Olivia. Hi. Thank, thank you for joining me. Uh, so you, you just started at Blake this year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And how has your transition to Blake gone so far? Um, it's been pretty well. Um you know, classes are a little more advanced than I'm used to, but it's good. It's good to challenge yourself and push yourself like that. So it's been really nice. And teachers have been super um, helpful with the transition because it is kind of like a culture shock. And it's just Blake is so different than like public school, which I've been going to my whole life. So, um, but yeah, it's a really nice change and a really like nice transition. I'm really thankful I'm able to go to Blake because it's a great school. So, yeah. Well, that, that's great to hear. Um, what what helped you decide to come to Blake? Um, my mom worked with a couple kids back in like early 2000s who went to Blake and she helped them get in. So she's like, it was, it's a really great school, gives really great opportunities. And those kids are off doing like great things now. So she's like, it can really um, give you good perspectives on life and really help you in the long run. So. Right. And, and starting this year, while it's a pandemic, when we're in hybrid and remote learning, now back to hybrid, I'm sure that's posed some challenges for you. Uh, how do you make use of your time on your days off? So like today is Tuesday that we're talking to each other and you're not in school. Um, and so how do you utilize your time? Yeah, so I usually have practice in the morning um, when I can. And then I'll come home, do schoolwork. Um, and then I'm off to practice again at night. So um, kind of just fitting stuff in where I can fit stuff in. But it's really nice to kind of have these off days because it can be kind of overwhelming trying to get all your learning in at once because we only have so many days in person. So it's kind of nice to have these kind of chill days where you can just um, get the work that you need to get done. And yeah, just again, chill out and kind of have that time to yourself. Yeah, so you have some flexibility, and so you mentioned you you um, have practice in the morning sometimes, and that's and of course that's what brought you to, onto today's podcast is that you're a wrestler, and um, Blake has a co-op now with Fridley for wrestling, and you're the inaugural wrestler for that yeah. co-op. So we're we're excited in our athletic office that we have a wrestler back at Blake. It's been a couple of decades since we've had wrestling. Um, is this your first year wrestling high school or did you wrestle high school before coming to Blake as well? Um, I wrestled high school since seventh grade. So, um, I've been doing that at a different school and that didn't work out when I came to Blake. So now I wrestle for Fridley and that's, that's going really well too. So. Awesome. So talk about that. So what's the, uh, high school experience been like, or this year as a ninth grader with Fridley, how's that gone so far? 
Um, it's gone really, really well. Um, I was at first kind of nervous because Fridley isn't in the same class or section or conference as my old school. So like I had no idea like what I was getting myself into, like who I was wrestling, but it's gone really well. Um, I've had some really good matches, some tough matches. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's all about growth and getting different perspectives on practices and coaching styles and stuff like that. So, yeah. What are your practices like? Um, usually we just, um, we either lift at like the end or sometimes beginning and then drilling, hard drilling, um, practicing stuff we need to work on. If we had a match like the day before, or week before, we kind of like take into consideration what we need to work on. Um, and Fridley's really good about, um, not doing unnecessary stuff, kind of working on what we need to work on. Um, so that it can really benefit us in the long run. Do you have the same uh, wrestling partner for every practice or are you able to switch it up? Are there enough people that you can wrestle on a practice? Um, so there's two lightweights right now. I wrestle 106 and then there's another guy who wrestles 113. So when he's not there, um, I wrestle the bigger kids. So like 145, 138, stuff like that. And that's challenging, but it's, it's good to kind of have a change in partners um, get different feels because you're not going to wrestle the same person every single time during a match. So it's nice. Yeah. Right. So in the high school season, have you only wrestled against boys or have there been other girls that you've wrestled with in the high school season? Um, so I've wrestled one girl this season, but the rest have been boys. And what's that experience like? Um, how are you treated by your opponents? Um, I mean, towards the beginning of my wrestling career, it was kind of, it was something to get used to. I mean, you're not used to, I mean, rolling around with a boy on a mat. I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> wrestling such like a weird thing to get used to, but, um, definitely as I started to, um, get more involved in the wrestling community and go to more tournaments, like out of state with different boys from different schools or go to different club practices, I started to kind of gain more respect from people and people started knowing me more. So that's really helped. Um, but I mean, it's always a challenge wrestling boys. Cause it's like the whole strength thing. It's just, sometimes they have an advantage over you and you know, it just encourages you to work harder. And I think it really motivates me at the end of the day. So, so they have the, the strength advantage over you. What would you say is an advantage that you have over a boy? Um, I definitely think that I work more on technique only because I know that in some of those matches, they're going to try to out muscle me and I just can't, I mean, it's just not going to work out for me if I try and do that. Sure. So I definitely try to work on my technique, um, more of the time under, I do work on strength, but at the end of the day, I think for girls wrestling boys, technique is going to win you the match versus strength. So, right. yeah. Uh, how would you describe your wrestling style? So you just said technique. So when you go into a match, like what could a fan look to um, as far as your style? Yeah. So I wrestle kind of, well, I like to wrestle a little slower, kind of um, feel out my opponent. Um, and then the lightweights, especially 106, you know, there's like super fast dudes. And I, I don't wrestle like that. I never have. I try to like get myself to wrestle like that forever, but 
Um, I just haven't been able to, it's just not my thing. So I'll kind of feel my opponent out. And then when I um, find opportunities to get to where I want to get to, I'll do things I want to do. But um, I like being the aggressor kind of, I don't let them get to anything. And if I do, then it's to benefit me. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, can we talk about club wrestling? Yeah. And, uh, so you mentioned that you go uh, out of state and you do tournaments and I've seen some videos of you and you're wrestling other girls. Yeah. So um, when you enter a tournament, is it whoever's in that weight class or are there specific tournaments for girls and specific tournaments for boys or how does that work? Um, so for the off season, um, I wrestle pretty much at the national level, the whole off season. So when you get to the national level, there is enough girls where I don't have to wrestle with boys. And so that's, it's nicer. Cause I mean, in college, I'm going to be wrestling only girls and, um, you know, national tournaments and wrestling only girls. So yeah. And Sometimes you can go into boys competition if you really want to, but there's just not a need for it at the national level, which is super nice. When did you start wrestling? Um, I started in seventh grade. Oh, so relatively yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How did you get involved? Um, I kind of just wanted to do something and wrestling was there. And so I was like, sure, why not? It was kind of just like a, spur in the moment type thing so yeah and is there a specific club that you go to all the time um I wrestle at Pinnacle I have practices there but I wrestle for Minnesota Storm um we usually use Augsburg Augsburg um wrestling room but they are a closed campus right now due to COVID so we've been able to practice at Pinnacle which is really nice awesome well this is fantastic it's so awesome to have you um, at Blake and wrestling and uh, people are going to uh, be paying even more attention to you. I'm sure you have lots of followers on Instagram as such. And um, we wish you the best of luck with wrestling this year. Um, what, what's your outlook for the rest of this season? Um, I think kind of just short-term goals is definitely making it to boys state. Um, there definitely is a chance there, which is super exciting this year. Um, we have a match tomorrow, which will kind of give me an idea if I have a chance or not. So that's super exciting. So I, you, that's just a super big thing for girls to make it to boys state in wrestling. So that's right. super exciting. All right. Well, best of luck. We look forward to uh, watching you excel on the mat. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. And have a great day.